Hi, everybody. Good morning. How are you? Good. It's really, oh, hi. Hi. I know some people over there. Um, awkward. Okay, let's start over. Hi, good morning. It's really lovely to be with you guys today. As Trevor said, my name is Brianna, and it is a huge honor and a huge privilege to be with you in this capacity, again, sharing the good news of Jesus together. So thank you for this opportunity. Um, as he also mentioned that this is our fourth week in the Overwhelmed series. And throughout each week, we've, dis we've discussed things such as our true identity. We've discussed shame. And last week, we discussed uh, depression. And today, we're going to look at the realities of unforgiveness and resentment, something I'm sure none of us have ever struggled with and how to move forward in forgiveness. Now, I believe, I really believe, and not just me, but I'm sure um, the entire staff here at Woodland Hills, we believe that this is a really powerful sermon series. This idea of being overwhelmed, these things that, str that we struggle with, these things that keep us in bondage and chains, that keep us from living the full life that is in Jesus Christ. This is a powerful sermon series because I know my friends, that the Holy Spirit is moving and that the Holy Spirit is breaking these chains that keep us from experiencing the full life in Christ. And I have no doubts that today, God has even more for us. So if you've listened to the past three weeks, uh, you'll notice that there has been a common thread throughout each of the sermons. And, and if you haven't had an opportunity yet to listen to the previous three weeks, my friends, I highly encourage you to check them out. Some just really powerful testimonies, really powerful truths are spoken in this sermon series. But the common thread that has been woven throughout each sermon is uh, this idea of the truth of our identity. You will hear that in each and every sermon thus far. So the truth of who we are in Christ. And you'll also hear about the power of our thoughts and being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think it's no coincidence that these things have been woven throughout each sermon. I don't think that we're just bored and can't figure out anything else creative to say in our sermons. We actually think like this stuff matters. I believe that we need to be reminded again and again and again the truth of who Christ says that we are. Amen. Because this is a noisy world, because our insecurities are noisy, because our sin is noisy, because we have an enemy that loves to keep us down, that loves to keep us from living in the truth of who we are, that I believe we cannot hear it enough, the truth of who God says that we are. And so today, that common thread is going to continue. We're going to look at the truth of who God says we are, in light of maybe some false identities that we often live into. So we're gonna be reminded again of who God says we are and how with that truth ever before us, our chains of unforgiveness and resentment can continue to fall. That those chains of unforgiveness and resentment will no longer have power over us and we can move forward in forgiving others and forgiving ourselves. So we're gonna look at the truth of who God says we are and we are together as a community going to practice saying it over and over and over again because we need to be reminded over and over and over again, don't we? It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget. So I want to make the suggestion that our greatest struggle in extending forgiveness, whether it's to others or to our own self, is rooted in just that. It's hard to forgive other people and it's hard to forgive ourselves because we forget the truth of who God says that we are. And we forget to live out of that truth. What are the false images that keep us from extending forgiveness to others and extending forgiveness to our own selves? Now, I brought some props. 
to illustrate these false identities that we tend to live in. I hope that's okay. I like props. I think props are exciting. I think they can help boost the story. I'm kind of a creative. I tend to believe like when you get engaged all five senses, things are impacted a little bit more powerfully. Um, that and also old man Greg is out of town and the teenagers have taken over the weekend service. So let's hear it for the props. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's hear it for the props. So what I brought for us today Again, I want to make the suggestion that we tend to live in these false identities, and our false identities is the very thing that keeps us in bondage from extending forgiveness. So the first false identity, are you ready? I'm super excited for this. The first false identity, here we go. I know, right? Oh, yeah. My housemates and I searched Amazon far and wide for stuff like this. <laughs> Thrilling evening. What am I? An angel, yeah. Now this false self, is it, do my wings look okay? <laughs> this false self, this false identity keeps us from extending forgiveness to other people. This false identity that we all tend to live in, at least at some point in our lives, it says things like this. I can't believe she lied to me. I would never do such a thing. How could she lie to me? There's no forgiveness for her. Or it says something like, I can't believe he cheated on me. He promised that he would never cheat on me. He destroyed our family. He caused me so much pain. There's no forgiveness for him. I could never forgive him. Or maybe the angel says something like, look at her. Look at her. She doesn't even know how much she's hurt me. She started those rumors and she's off living her life. She doesn't even know how much pain she's caused me. Maybe I'll just start a rumor about her too. Then she'll know how much it hurts. Then she'll know how much pain I'm in. Yeah, I'll start a rumor. There's no forgiveness. I can't forgive. Surely God won't expect me to forgive. Does that resonate with anybody? False identity number one, the angel in her inability to forgive those who have hurt her. Let's go to false identity number two. This one I'm kind of proud of, I have to confess. <laughs> um, doodly doo. <laughs> I know. Now, don't look too closely, is what I told the other services, because you'll get a really good look at my eating habits. <laughs> uh, False identity number two. When we live from this false self, we, oh no. Okay, I was like, oh no, I still have my halo on. <laughs> I'm mixing the identities. So this false self has trouble extending forgiveness to our own selves. This false self, we are in the chains of lacking forgiveness of our own selves. And it says things like this. I can't believe I did it. The thing I swore I would never do. I've done it. This sin is too big and too ugly. I could never forgive myself. Or maybe the trash heap says things like, I've done it again. I've hurt so many people. I failed at relationship again. I'm a failure at relationships. My sin is a trash heap that can never be forgiven. There's no forgiveness for me. Or maybe our trash heap says, I know I'll never amount to anything. I cheat, I lie, I steal. There's no way that God could ever forgive me, so how could I forgive myself? I'm just a trash heap of sin and there's no freedom for me. 
I don't deserve forgiveness. I can't forgive. I'm not forgiven. Can anybody relate to that one? These two false identities, maybe a little, little hyperbolic. <laughs> I do have a flair for the dramatic after all. But these two false identities, my friends, are the root that keep us in bondage from extending forgiveness to other people or extending forgiveness to ourselves. We tend to be the angel or the trash heap. And so what we need today again and again and again, is a reminder of the truth of who we really are. Because when we see a picture of who we really are, do you know what happens? These chains, these chains that have so much power over us, guess what? They begin to fall. They begin to fall. So starting with the false identity number one, the false identity of the angel. What does she need? What type of a reminder does she need in order to be able to extend forgiveness? What is the truth that God says to us in the midst of this particular false identity? Let's look to Romans. I love the way Romans gives us this reminder that sometimes stings a little bit. Romans 5 says this, When we were utterly hopeless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. But God showed God's great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still what? Sinners. Sinners. My friends, sometimes when we operate from the angel false identity, we forget that we too are sinners. It's hard to extend forgiveness because we forget that we too hurt other people. Right? I love the way Isaiah says it. Isaiah 53 articulates it as this. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong on him, on him. We're all like sheep. What does that mean? It means we're all like sheep. We have all wandered off. We have all gotten lost. We all break covenant. We all hurt people. We all cause pain. We all cause damage. We've all gone astray, Isaiah tells us. But God has rescued us all. God has forgiven us all. God goes out looking for all of us wandered sheep and says, come back to the fold. I love you. There's forgiveness for you. And the more we can recognize that we've all been sheep, when we can look at other people through that perspective, even those who have wronged us, even those who have hurt us, these chains, again, just begin to fall again and again and again. And that power of unforgiveness that is those chains, what we'll start to notice is that they'll just fall and the weight of them will fall. And we'll actually maybe be able to move forward in extending forgiveness. You see, the way of the kingdom, my friends, it's upside down and it's inside out and it's super backwards. Because when we've been wronged, what's our first reaction? We don't want to extend forgiveness. We want justice. We want to make sure that other person is hurt as badly as we are. There's some sort of satisfaction in knowing that the other person is suffering too, as much as we've been suffering. And if we feel like they've gotten off scot-free, then what do we do? We harbor unforgiveness because that's our sense of justice. Well, at least if I'm angry, then justice is being served. Well, at least if I hold on to this unforgiveness and this pain, somehow justice is being served. And all the while, as we're thinking those thoughts, those chains are becoming tighter and tighter and tighter around us. But the kingdom says, God says, the way to be freed from your spirit of unforgiveness is to extend forgiveness. 
It's inside out, it's backwards, and it's upside down. Where there is war, you extend love, you extend peace. Where there is hate, we extend love. Where there is division, we bring unity. This is the way of the kingdom. Again, it's backwards. And so if we want freedom from our chains of unforgiveness, <laughs> we extend forgiveness. But it's not easy. And friends, there's something I want to make really, really clear, especially on this point of our false identity of the angel. Getting hurt is a real thing. I'm not making light of that reality, right? Forgiveness does not mean forgive and forget, no big deal. To uphold the fact, to uphold the truth of our identity that we're all sinners, that we've all gone astray, that is not to say, the way you hurt me is no big deal because I'm a sinner too. I guess it's okay. To remember that we're all sinners is not to condone sin. Do I have to say that again? It is not to condone sin. Some of us in here have been seriously hurt and harmed. Some of us have been the brunt of relentless harassment. Some of us have experienced abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse. Some of us have been the victims of rape and marginalization and these really powerful, painful things that are real. Forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation because sometimes there is the aspect that it's actually better to not come into reconciliation in a relationship, especially if it's one that's caused by abuse or wounding or harassment. The forgiveness that we're talking about here is simply the releasing of debt. Saying, I know you have wronged me and I release you from it. Why? Because I have wronged people before and I have been released of it by the God who died on Calvary. Come on, come on. So I want to make that clear. To extend forgiveness does not move forward to especially a person who continues to hurt you and say, let's make BFFs. No, it's something to look at them and say, I release you. I release you. Because I know that in releasing you, I'm also releasing myself of these chains of unforgiveness. That's the way that it works. So the false identity of the angel. What about this false identity? What about the false identity of the trash heap? The navel-gazing trash heap that can't seem to lift our gaze and look and believe that we are as restored as God says we are. What does this false identity need? It needs a reminder again of the truth of who we are in Christ. I love the way Colossians says it. Colossians tells us this. So if you've been raised with Christ, and we have. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If we want freedom from the chains of our lack of ability to forgive ourselves, if we want freedom from something that can help lift our gaze from our own trash heap of sin, then what do we do? We remember that we've been raised with Christ. That all is wiped away, and we have to practice lifting our gaze. Don't look to the things that are on earth, Colossians says, but seek the things that are above. You want freedom from your chains of unforgiveness towards yourself? Seek the things that are above. Dare to believe, if even for a moment, that you have been raised with Christ, that your sin, your trash heap of sin, was crucified on the cross, and it was resurrected with the body of Christ. This sin has no power over you anymore. It is your choice. You can either choose to believe it and be freed from your chains of unforgiveness or you can continue navel-gazing. The choice is yours. It really is. 
There's another verse that I love so much that I think can really take us out of our trash heap and dance upon feet of disappointment that can bring us to liberation. And it reads as this from 2 Corinthians. So if anyone is in Christ, I know, right? If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. What has passed away? Everything. everything. What has become new? Everything. Do we know this? Do we believe this? Or are we thinking, nope, my sin's too big. The thing that I did is too big. Surely the cross isn't big enough for this sin. But Corinthians says, mm -mm, all of it, every single thing you've done is wiped away. It is brand new, time and time again. From this moment to this moment to this moment, everything is being made new and it will continue to be made new. So if we want freedom from those chains, then let us believe that truth. Let us practice living into the truth of our identity, that we are a new creation, that everything has become new, that we are seated at the right hand of God, that yet we're all sinners and we've all fallen short, but God continues to come looking for us and rescuing us back into the fold. This is the truth that we need, my friends, over and over again. Your sin does not define you. Your past does not define you. You are not who your parents say you are. You are not who your friends say you are. You're not who your colleagues say you are. You are not who your trash heap says you are. You are none of this. You are who Christ says you are. And Christ says, you are my spotless bride. And God says, you want freedom from your chains of unforgiveness and resentment? Then extend forgiveness. Remember that you too have been forgiven much. And that is scandalous, isn't it? That is not the way our world operates. When something's been done wrong, people go to jail or people go to prison or justice is served in some of our own way. And while there's a, maybe a time and a place for that, ultimately Christ says, but remember that you all have been forgiven, that my cross has accomplished it all. Christus Victor, death no longer has power over us. So go forth and extend that good news to everybody. Because even those who wrong us, they're in their own chains and they need the good news as much as we do. <laughs> you see, I don't think I really understood this powerful reality of forgiveness in this scandal of forgiveness until a few years ago. I have a story for you. And if it's okay, I would like to share it with you. Is that okay? I hope so, because it's part of my sermon. <laughs> and it would flop if I couldn't, so. <laughs> um, I have a story of forgiveness. You see, some years ago, I actually had a really hard heart. I had a heart of stone. I mean, nobody wakes up one day and just says, I think I'll have a heart of stone. That sounds like fun. No, it usually happens over time, and very slowly. We can actually carve our own hearts of stone by continuing to live in chains. These things harden our hearts. Or maybe we've been hurt by something in the past as I have, and I decide, you know what, I should be the protector of my own heart. Because God can't protect it, so I'll protect it. And as we protect our own heart, or think that we are, we're actually hardening it. And that was my story, that was my experience. So much so, that it led me to do the unthinkable, if I'm honest. That's what I thought that it was. That's what my trash heap told me that it was. You see, through the hardness of my heart, I ended up betraying one of my very best friends. 
And I betrayed her over and over and over again. I didn't want to, I didn't intend to, but sometimes in the hardness of our own hearts, we do things, whether we want to or not. And I betrayed her over and over again, and the pain was irreparable. It hurt her, it destroyed our friendship, it caused her family and her marriage insane amounts of pain. It was that thing, right? That thing that my trash heap identity swore I would never do because Christians don't do things like that. And I did it. I did it. And I remember in the midst of this, in the midst of this sin and this brokenness and this trash heap, I remember thinking to myself, surely there can't be forgiveness for me because this is the doozy, or so we think. Surely this sin is too big for even God to forgive. Surely my friend could never forgive me. I could never forgive myself. And so what did I do? Well, I kept it hidden for a long time. Because we think things are going to be better if we keep them hidden inside of us. Because we think it would cause too much pain. So the better option is to keep it hidden and in the dark. But when we keep things hidden in the dark, the enemy just continues to claw at us and keep us from truth and light and liberation. So I kept it hidden for a long time. But then one day, I don't know what happened. I honestly think that it was just the power of God's grace. I was able to um, bring my sin to the light, bring my brokenness to the light. And it was scary, and it was vulnerable, and it was risky. But I thought in my head, I have I've been studying scripture and theology for eight years. These things that we preach each and every week about God's forgiveness and God's scandalous love. Is it that good? I mean, I know it intellectually, but when you're face to face with your own brokenness, the thing you think, no way could this be forgiven. Could God's word be true enough? Is there forgiveness for me? By God's grace, I decided to risk it and see. And so I went before um, three people in my community who know me well, who know my story well. Oh, it, was, <laughs> it was ugly, let me be honest. When I decided to go and confess my sin, I was a slobbering, weeping, sweaty mess with tissues stuck to my face and everything. And there I sat before three of my beloved community members and I bore it all. I said, this is my sin. This is what I've done. This is the hardness of my heart. I've had a really rotten and hard heart for a long time. And out of that, I have betrayed my best friend. I told him all the nasty details. And I sat there that is probably one of the most vulnerable places to be. When you sit and wait, when every garbage is laid bare, and you wonder, is God's word big enough? Is the cross big enough? What are my community members gonna say? Do you know what they said? First response. Brianna, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I know, hallelujah. And again, they said, Brianna, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And a third time, Brianna, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It turns out the good news is good news. It is big enough. My sin, my trash heap of sin, the thing that I thought, there's no way there's forgiveness for this. It turns out there is. And do you know what happened in that moment? In that moment that I decided to confess it all and bring it to the light? Those chains, I could hear them falling. Those chains started to break. My heart of stone, the moment I brought it to the light, turns out it starts beating. Turns out that thing is actually alive. 
And when my friends tell me there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, the heart just kept on beating. This old thing actually works. It started to become softer. There's power when we bring things to the light. There's power when we share life with community and dare to believe things are done best in community rather than on our own. That's where the freedom lies. And so at that moment, my friends, they said, what do you need now? How can we best support you? How can we support your process of restoration and growing in the truth that you're forgiven? What can we do for you? We're here for you. And I told him, I said, I think I need to get away. And I did need to get away. That was my journey. I needed to get away, and, and the way I needed to get away, the way that God works through me and with me is usually on road trips <laughs> and out in the mountains hiking when I'm alone in creation. That is where God speaks so tenderly to me, and I could hear the Spirit drawing me and alluring me. Come on, Brianna, I want to show you more. I want to show you more of my forgiveness. So I told my community members, I said, I think I need to go to California for a while, and I think I need to just really, really hear and resonate in the truth that a cross is big enough for me. And they said, okay. And they sent me away with traveling mercies. And they said, your church family will be here for you whenever you get back, ready to embrace you with open arms. And Brianna, as you go, remember, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember that. And I set out west, and you guys, it was one of the best and most powerful and impactful trips of my entire life. Not because it was a radical road trip out west. I mean, that in and of itself is pretty cool. But when God goes before you and says, come, I want to show you something, and you go and you hear every single day that you're on your season of restoration, you hear God say things to you. There is no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or the Spirit of the Lord, I can remember this one time. I got to Colorado as I was driving out west, and there was like this incredible vista view. And I decided, I think I should pull off. Something was calling to me. Something was inviting me to pull off at that point in my drive and check out this vista view. And it turns out that something was the Spirit of God. Because when I pulled off to this vista view, when I was still face to face with the realities of my sin, this is only like day three after confession. I was still super raw and vulnerable. And so I pull off to this vista view and I see these mountains and I see the pine trees. And you know that sound that's made when the breeze goes through the pine trees? That's what I was feeling and hearing. And it was so powerful. And in the midst of the wind through the pine trees, I heard the spirit of the Lord repeat to me the song of songs because that's my book. The song of songs, and God said over me, Brianna, you're altogether lovely. There is no flaw in you. And you hear that truth enough, and again, those chains just continue to fall. And I can say, oh my goodness, I am like that sheep that has gone astray, and there is forgiveness for me. What we need in the midst of our brokenness is not punishment, is not consequences, is not judgmentalism. What we need is the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ. I'm getting all fired up on that one. We tend to extend hate where there's hate. We tend to extend judgmentalism where there is a wrong. But my friends, the ticket to freedom, the ticket to expanding shalom is to say that you too are forgiven because God has forgiven me much. The more and more we hear the truth of who we are, the softer our hearts become. So that I can tell you, at two years later, after this whole journey, my heart is the softest it has ever been. It is pumping blood. It is alive and well, my friends. It is a soft and it is a squishy heart. Were any of you here last week when Greg, Greg showed those two um, clips from Frozen? Yeah. I've never seen Frozen. I'm an auntie of over 12 kids and I've never seen Frozen. But there I sat in the seats weeping, <laughs> weeping. This is what God's love does for us. It turns our frozen hearts and it makes them soft and squishy. There ought, oh man, there ought to be a theology of Frozen. 
I'm gonna make that up because that's what nerds do. Everything has been made new. Everything has been made new. All of our old trash is wiped away. The sin, the thing that I thought I would never do is not counted against me. There is freedom, there is liberation from my chains of unforgiveness of myself. And I'm able so much so with this soft and squishy heart that Christ gave to me, now I look at everybody else and I say, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, because that's what happens. Our hearts are transformed. And when our hearts are transformed, our eyes are transformed. And now we can start to see the world the way God sees it. Now we can start to see everybody else as the beautiful arts of creation that God created them to be. Even in the midst of their own brokenness, we can still say, you're forgiven. So we're not the angel, right? We're not the trash heap. So who are we? What is the truth of our identity? I want to offer to you this particular example. It's called kintsugi. Now, there's going to be a slide that shows it. Kintsugi, or the process of making a kintsugi pot, is called kintsukuroi. Kintsugi are these, uh, it's a Japanese art form, an ancient Japanese art form, and it takes broken pottery, and it binds them together again. It doesn't have this perfect pot, right, as the angel would be. That's not what kintsugi's about. Nor does it keep the pot in broken pieces and say, well, I guess you're just useless goods. Let's go out and buy a new pot. Kintsukuroi says, there's beauty in this. And it brings those broken pieces together again. And with really fine gold, as you can see in this picture, it binds them together. And it says, this is the beauty this thing that was once broken and is now brought back together again through the finest gold and grace. This is who we are. We are kintsugi, my friends. And the coolest thing about these pots, I love this about these pots, is that did you know that they're even stronger once they've been repaired? They're stronger than they were before, before they were ever broken. The strength and the beauty is found in the raw authenticity of our imperfections that have been made new by Jesus Christ. We are kintsugi, my friends. And the more we can live into that truth, the more we get to extend that same truth to other people. Because the truth of God, the kingdom of God, is always missional, right? We are blessed to be a blessing. And so the more we start to live into the truth of who we are, the more we can invite and extend that same invitation to other people and say, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. So now we have these images, right? We know that we're not the angel. We know that we're not this trash heap, but that we're kintsugi, that everything old has been made new. Where do we go from here? And this is where I want to suggest what we need to do is practice this art of being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because guess what? We don't get to just hear it once. Like, oh, okay, I'm not the angel. Oh, okay, I'm not the trash heap. Now I'm kintsugi. Have a nice day. No, turns out we have to continue living in it and reminding ourselves of it over and over and over again. And over and over and over again. Because I promise you, the minute you leave this sanctuary, you're going to be tempted with all of your insecurities and all of your past mistakes and all of those lies and this huge thing called the enemy saying, nope, that's not who you are. Let me tell you the truth of who you are. And give us some rotten image so we have to practice it every day. Remind ourselves and remind other people of who they truly are. There's freedom for you. I know it to be true. There is freedom from our unforgiveness and our resentment, and that freedom is found in extending forgiveness because it's upside down and it's backwards 
and it's inside out, and it is scandalous. And so with this true image of who we are, I would like to offer you a few take-home points so that together we as a community can continue living this out. <clears throat> the first take-home point I have for you is this. It's very simple, but like Danny said earlier, most important truths are quite simple. Remember the truth of who you are. Don't lose sight of it. Fight for it. Fight for it every single day. Dare to believe. If you are struggling with something, if there is a sin that is eating you alive, dare to believe that you actually are who Christ says you are and bring that out. Share it. Bring it to the light. Remember the truth of who you are. Everything has been made new. You are Kintsugi. The second take-home point I have for you is this. There's a lot of power in your thoughts. This has kind of been my jam lately. I'm starting a, a Cultivate class in a few weeks about this very thing, about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, and my poor housemate has been the brunt of me saying it over and over again. Do you know that there's a lot of power in your thoughts? <laughs> you have the power to change your life by the power of your thoughts. We can be freed from our chains of unforgiveness if we continue repeating, I am forgiven, I'm a new creation, I've sinned too, I've hurt people too, I've broken covenant too, therefore there is forgiveness for everybody else. Be transformed, Romans 12, 2 tells us. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to grow into the truth of who God says you are, then we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I think Philippians gives us, gives us the best advice of how to begin that process of transformation. Philippians 4 says this, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do your best, by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw. Do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into God's most excellent harmonies. Amen. It's really easy for us to put our minds on the ugly. It's really easy for us to navel gaze and look at our own sin. But Philippians tells us, no, instead, put your minds on the things that are good and true and noble and just. Don't think about the ugly. Think about the beautiful. This, as we continue to do this, we will be transformed into the true image that God says we are. The third take-home point I have for you is practice. Practice forgiveness. Again and again and again. Theologian Miroslav Volf, try saying that one three times fast, he is like the guru of forgiveness, the theologian of forgiveness. I love what he has to say. But he says in the midst of his own pain, their family's pain, uh, he said, you know, the hard part isn't choosing to forget, to, to forgive. The choice to forgive is easy. The difficulty is practicing it and living it out. You might be sitting here today thinking, that person who hurt me, I can actually extend forgiveness. I'm going to extend forgiveness. Or maybe you're saying, actually, I can forgive myself because the cross is that big. The choice to forgive is not the hard part. What's gonna happen once we make that choice? <laughs> Do you know what's gonna happen? I'll tell you. Uh, at 2.30 this morning, you're gonna be woken up and you're gonna think, I can't forgive that person. Remember what they did? Remember how much harm they caused me? And you're gonna play that tape over and over and over again because it's 2.30 in the morning and things happen in the dark. 
that we have no control over. We start thinking about the ugly things. We start thinking about the sin. And so here we are at 2.30 in the morning, three hours later, we've accrued all these nasty thoughts that that one second it took to choose to forgive has been kind of nullified. So we have to practice it again and again and again. And I promise you, friends, the more we practice it, the more we're committed to it, our hearts will be melted by love. And maybe, just maybe, the kingdom of God will come a little bit more on earth, just as it is in heaven. Uh, at this time, I would actually like to invite uh, our worship team back up. And we're going to have a time of just meditation. Um, at this time, too, I'd like to invite the prayer ministers on up. Um, these are big things. Unforgiveness is really hard. So I want to just take this time to have a, a moment of reflection. If you're struggling with something, if you're thinking to yourself, but my sin's too big, we here as a community are here to tell you, no, it's not. Come up for prayer. Get it out of the darkness and bring it to the light. There's no judgment because now we all know that we're clumsy disciples and we're all sheep. So come share with us. We're here for you. Let's do this thing of practicing forgiveness as a family. So the worship team will play a song, and then after they're done, I'll come back up and close this in a benediction. We've all sinned, and we've all wandered off. And Christ comes and brings us back into the fold. We're a new creation, you guys. <laughs> let's remember that, and let's share that good news with others. Because the ticket out of our chains of unforgiveness is to forgive. I promise you that. Would you stand with me? And I invite you, if you like, if you feel comfortable, to open your hands, just as a gesture of offering, as a gesture of receiving. May we know, as the family of God, that we are who God says that we are. That we are his spotless bride. That the cross is big enough that there is immeasurable forgiveness and mercy for us and for others. Would we be generous with that truth? My friends, go in the peace of knowing that you are forgiven and that you are loved. Our prayer ministers will be here. Come, join us in community and experience the freedom of forgiveness. Amen.